You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Monday, so it's Shapiro World with David Shapiro from Sassvin in Johannesburg, and this podcast is proudly brought to you by sharenet.co.za. I had a lot of time to think about stuff over the weekend, uh, David. I looked at the international markets, and they mm-hmm. took a bit of a smack. They got clattered to the tune of 460 points on the Dow and 55 points on the S&P, and suddenly people were saying, wait a second – Things aren't things aren't oh. great. Let's put our money into safe havens like the yen and gold and gold shares and, and that sort of thing. And then I looked at the South African situation and read the newspapers and looked forward to the election and looked forward to some of the or looked at some of the articles in the papers. And I saw one from a chap who's who said that we should be looking for reparations from the West because of the cyclone in Mozambique. And I thought <laughs> I sent you that, didn't I? Yeah. And I you thought. Did. I thought, he's obviously joking. He, he, he can't be serious. No, he's not. But the intellectual void no, in South Africa is quite scary, as well as ESCOM is no, quite no. scary. What do you think? No, I, I think you're dead right, you know, to blame a cyclone because of, of uh, you know, of, of bad air emissions. Of, uh, it's just crazy because of the Western industry. But, I mean, it's as much China to blame uh, if there is global warming than anybody else. And now China, as you know, are our big mates. So, I mean, it's quite crazy that, that, that one should make the claim. But, you know, that's the fringe side of South African politics, which is quite scary because in a nation that is not growing, uh, where there's widespread poverty, widespread unemployment, it's those kind of voices that, that get the crowds going and make things very scary. You know, and even the EFF, without Zuma, they've got no one to attack and uh, they're not quite sure where to place themselves. So South African politics at the moment... I think it's probably centered, or, uh, centered on, on Eskom and the issues we have there. Um, Lindsay, you know, this week, uh, Moody's is going to give a pronouncement on uh, credit rating. Uh, we never know how they think, but to be quite honest, when, when you do the mathematics on Eskom, I think it's scary and it points to very difficult conditions ahead. Taken that into consideration with your, with your opening on, um, you know, on the uh, global economy, which is not exactly sprinting ahead, uh, mm-hmm. it makes it very difficult for us. So, so things are, things are tight here and it actually needs, you, you, you know, you need, uh, sound thinking and clear heads to actually get through this problem in South Africa. And we're not, we're playing politics and we incite crowds and, all of that doesn't do any good for uh, you know for our future or for where we're heading. Mm. Okay, let's have a look at a couple of corporate stories. EOH Holdings Limited gave us mm. an up- update on the Microsoft relationship, and the market didn't like it. The share price currently, as we speak, down another four percent, down at thirteen rand fifty, thirteen rand fifty one to be precise. What was the the high on that thing? It was, it was well over a hundred rand, wasn't it? Where? Oh, one fifty no. or something. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I think even even more than that. And I can't work out the market cap. You know, this was. The ultimate darling of of, um, you know, of of the JSC couldn't do anything wrong, and there's always I always joke with you know with Business Day or was it Business Times? I always say that you know they have the top 100 companies, and I said whenever you whenever a company wins that prize, it's actually the kiss of death. The one yeah. thing you do if they ever win that prize is just run for the hills. They were 170 was their height, and that wasn't too long ago. It was no more than two and a half years ago that they. You know, that they reached those heady levels. And since then, they've come all the way from 170 to where they are now, about 30 odd rand or somewhere thereabouts. I don't know. I haven't followed them 12 rand. 
And, uh, you know, that's a massive, massive destruction of, of, of capital uh, and of value. And it's, it's, it's self-inflicted because everything they did was absolutely perfect. Nothing they did was wrong, you know. And the first thing that they would always open up a, a presentation with was how wonderful they were. And there was never any one of their divisions that ever did badly. And it just looked too good. You know, everything just fitted so perfectly that you started to wonder. And then rumors started to circulate about some of the deals that they were doing, mainly with government, and uh, that they weren't at arm's length. And, and, and it started to make sense. And slowly, uh, the stories have come out. And, and this is just the culmination of, of, of what we worried all the time. And it's been Microsoft that have pulled the license on the worries of certain deals that they did with government, you know, using the Microsoft license. So I think that's kind of summarized where they've come from, you know, where they are now. And poor old Stephen Van Collen now has to try and turn a business around having lost. And it, it might not even be the licenses that they've lost, but it's the prestige and question marks about the ethics of the company, I think, that is weighing down on them. Mm. Staying with the tech sector, Nespers today announced its intention yeah. to form a new global consumer internet group called NUCO, obviously the working name, comprising Nespers' international internet assets and lists NUCO on Euronext Amsterdam. NUCO will also have a secondary inward listing on the JSE mm. in South Africa. NUCO will comprise all of Nespers' internet mm. interests and as Europe's largest listed consumer internet company by asset value, Nuco will give global internet investors direct act to Naspers' attractive and unique portfolio of international internet assets. On the other, one hand, you say, well, isn't that fantastic? On the other hand, you say, they're moving away from South Africa. I, I'm having this discussion as well, and, I, and I'm trying to really kind of think it out aloud Fundamentally, just, just to put it up, so, so what does it mean? If you, 100 rands worth of NASPERS will now become 75 rand on our market. In other words, you'll reduce the market value of NASPERS from 70, from 100 to 75 because you're distributing by virtue of a capitalization issue 25% in, call it NUCO. Right. So 100, 100 rand will become 75 NASPERS, 25 in NUCO. But NUCO is now in Amsterdam. And Nuco has all the international assets, which includes 30% of Tencent. So that's where it is. Interesting. Uh, interesting they didn't choose uh, Frankfurt or London, for example, because Bob van Dyke lives in the south of Amsterdam, who's the CEO of Naspers. So obviously well, uh, that, he that, understands that, the market Euronext, a little bit yeah. better. Yeah. yeah, well, it's Euronext. So obviously why they're doing that is that this will become uh, – he's obviously got ambitions. He's not going to stay with what he has. He wants to raise money. He wants to do deals. He wants to get a wider audience, a wider shareholder base. So NUCO will become the uh, the core center of the NASPERS group. You know, whatever remains in NASPERS, which will be Media24 and Takealot, nice little businesses, but certainly not world beaters. So everything will now kind of center on on uh, the Amsterdam company, NUCO. So my worry, and this is I've been trying to debate this with Nicky Newton King and with people around here, is that, yes, uh, both will be listed here. So you're not going to lose value. You'll have 75% in Naspers, 25% in, in uh, Nuco. But the trade will now start to take more and more foreigners who are interested 
will go to Amsterdam. They won't trade through the JSE. But there'll you know, be, you know what I mean? There'll be arbitrage mm-hmm. and there'll be a secondary yeah, trading, of course, but not the sort of volume that we're seeing at the moment and not the domination that, that NASPES has every day when it comes to volume. And Nikki Newton-King, whom you've just mentioned, must be quaking in her boots a bit. Well, that's my, that's my worry. Because, you know, I used the example of SA Breweries. Lindsay, once breweries delisted, there was a view that don't worry, the money that we receive for the sale of breweries will come back into ABM Bev or other areas. We've never seen it again. <laughs> it's gone, vanished. And uh, there's no doubt that the volumes and value traded on the JSE is slipping, you know, continues to slip as we lose some of those big traders. And this is my deep concern because I, I watch this like a hawk every day and NASPERS makes up easily 15, 20% of our daily volumes, if not uh, a little more every day. And that will start to, that will start to falter. You know, it will, there's no, it won't happen. You know, what, what I'm saying, this is not going to be overnight. This is not going to happen overnight. It'll take time. Uh, you know, today, NASPES is 25% of the trade on the JSE. 15 billion is traded, or 16 billion there, there you know, close to that, 25% of which is NASPES. The next biggest share is Anglos at 5%. So it gives you an idea of the power. Now, if we even reduce that by 25%, <laughs> it's going to take, you know, it's going to take all that money off. That money's gone. Yeah. We won't see it because, uh, it's not going to be as big a constituent of the market as, as, as it has been. It might be made up by others. I don't know basket trading. But my worry is that the center of attraction will now go to Amsterdam. That's where the trade's going to take place. And even companies like Old Mutual and Anglo-American and all those who migrated in the 90s and that, over time, their offshore shareholder base got bigger and bigger and bigger, and the South African holding got smaller and smaller. At the moment, NASPES is about 60%, 60 to 66%, I think they're about held by foreigners already. So, you know, that's, that's going so to show you So it was a logical move to, to, mm. uh, to, to say mm. to these people, well, you know, mm. you don't have to worry about the rand anymore. You just, just go to Amsterdam and you have to worry about that's the euro. Exactly. That's the thing. I mean, it's one less thing. Exactly. Must, it must be shareholder, I mean, really big shareholder pressure that has pr- prompted this, apart yeah. from the intellect of Bob Van Dyke and Kurs and all the other uh, directors. It says here, following yeah. the implementation of the proposed transaction, NASPERS will retain its primary listing on the JSE and will continue to directly hold its South African assets, which are Take A Lot and Media 24, alongside its majority stake in NUCO, etc. And it says, after the listing of NUCO or Neuronext Amsterdam, NASPERS will remain the largest South African company listed on the JSE by market cap. So they're placating us uh, somewhat, but they're doing exactly what anyone yeah. would do logically. Yeah. No. And that's yeah, ex- that move away from South Africa, unfortunately. No, exactly. That's, and the reason is that I think in technology, uh, if you are, if you do want to become a technological giant, if you do want to participate in the changes that are happening and developments, you can't do it from a base here. You have to do it from, from Europe or from wherever you are. And obviously Bob van Dijk sees Amsterdam as being a place that, uh, you know, where to grow from. So it's sad. I, you know, it's, it's, it's from, from a local point of view, yes, it gives you more exposure to foreign, you know, to foreign markets. But I think from a JSE, it's becoming harder and harder for us to actually, um, you know, to, for, for us to make a living out of what remains in South Africa. Yeah. Um, David, we've got the 
Moody's decision on Friday. We've got mm. the South African Reserve Bank meeting starts on Wednesday and the interest rate decision on Thursday afternoon at around about 3 o'clock, as, as it always is. There's a PPI coming out this week. There's a couple of other pieces of economic data being released from the South African economy. I can't see anything to get my teeth into. When I say my teeth into, I mean my, my optimistic no. teeth into. It's almost as though you wake no. up in the morning and say, oh, my goodness me, what's going to happen next? Uh, I look for... Uh, from uh, Reserve Bank, I don't know whether they got the courage to begin reducing rates against the backdrop that we're seeing in global economy where interest rates are falling. And things are, make no error, you know, I'm a, I'm a natural bull. I like to be bullish. I'm an equity bull. But, but you can't ignore what Jerome Powell said. You can't ignore what Mario Draghi said. Uh, you can't ignore some of those signs, you know, where things are slowing down. It might not manifest itself in a recession or it might not manifest itself in a complete reduction of, of corporate profits. But corporate profits will, you know, will come under a bit of pressure. By pressure meaning they won't grow anywhere near the same extent that they did last year. But I don't think businesses are vulnerable. But still, it's very difficult for markets to, to kind of run away against that backdrop. So one gets this, you know, you're slightly nervous. So against that, um, we need all the help we can get in the South African economy. And if anything, you know, one would expect them to lower rates uh, rather than, say, talk about higher inflation or raising rates. The, the probability is they might stay off for the, for the meantime. But I think conditions are moving, Lindsay, that they have to do something. You know, they, they, they have to, they have to uh, lower rates. I think inflation is in the 4% area. I don't know yeah, how but they David, do you know what? I mean, I, you and I are not economists. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're a seasoned equity investor, and you've, yeah. done, you, you've done well for your clients by being considered, and I probably think quite conservative over the decades that you've been in the industry. But when you talk to economists, the Reserve Bank does not look at the 4.1% uh, yeah. figure <laughs> CPI. They're looking forward to 2020, mm-hmm. and they're saying, well, and even next month, they're saying there's going to be one rand per litre in, increase in yeah. petrol price. So therefore, mm. the next mm-hmm. print is mm. going to be 45 4.6%. Mm. So we can't justify last month's CPI data in cutting interest rates. I think mm. the next rise will be probably you mean the uh, next move, next will, move will probably be up. I think it'll be flat for this year. Well, Maybe the yeah. fourth quarter or the first quarter of 2020, uh, but it will be up. And I, I think they missed a trick by raising interest rates in November. I think it was last year, October, November last year, by 25 basis points. I think that was ill-advised, but. I don't know. The next one is going to be up, unfortunately, because they are conservative I, I, like you. Mm. I, I don't know if that's it. You know, I don't know if you can actually run an economy like that anymore, just being totally focused on, you know, again, I'm going to, I'm going to show my ignorance by saying it just doesn't make sense. You know, when I look at the market, it doesn't mean that it's going to, this is not a, let's, let's put it, this is not a demand push inflation. You know, in other words, we're not running out there and uh, spending a lot of money and, and pushing up inflation. This is kind of imported inflation in terms of the oil price and a weaker rand, and the weaker rand is a reflection of, of a poorer economy. So all we're going to do is make it poorer. So that's my logic, but uh, that's, that's economic zero. You know, I don't think that's, I don't think that fits into any textbook, but uh, it, it just cons- you know just worries me that that raising rates here or, or not lowering rates is just going to make things tougher and tougher. You talk about the Moody's as well. Hmm. Um, I don't I don't know how to read that one as well. I, I I worry about what we see. I worry what we see in the economy. I worry what we're reading in results. 
And I'll worry about the, our market. Lindsay, if you take away the mining stocks, yes. you know, mining shares, you take away those and you take away some of the performance of our big, uh, um, you know, the NASPASs and some of the, the influential in, industrials, which are not, have nothing to do with South Africa Inc. If we go back there, we've been hammered on, on retailers. We've been hammered on banking stocks. You know, we've been hammered on uh, financial stocks. EOH, uh, sorry, uh, Avenge doesn't exist. Group 5 doesn't exist. Basil Reed doesn't exist. And today is a bit for Marion Roberts, another one going. Um, this market's under severe pressure. You know, this, we're, we've been taking a battering. And now what's happening is that some of the commodity prices are starting to feel the pinch of that, um, you know, of a slowing economy. And that's hurting us as well. Platinum shares are coming down. Yes. Um, iron ore shares seem to be holding, but, uh, you know, no one expects them to last if there is a slowdown. So yeah, it's, uh, it, you know, it, it, it's tough being here. Today I just see red, other than a couple of gold miners. Yeah, and as we speak, <laughs> as we speak, the S and P as we speak, mm. the S and P is on its session lows, down 20 points mm. to 2790. Uh, the Dow Jones down around about 100 points. Uh, it's all, it's not dramatic, but I mean, it, there's a little bit of a sell-off going on. Let's talk about more cheerful things, um, David. Football. There was no, there was an international break, so-called, over the weekend, so there was no English Premier League. I noted with a good deal of gratification that England beat the Czechs. 5-0 and I read some really glorious reports about England's performance and you know I think the average age of the England team is around about 12 at the moment and so there's, there's a lot of little kids running around I watched the highlights of the game because I, I didn't get it where I was I didn't think they were that fantastic but they're playing in Montenegro tonight and I think they'll they'll do well again I have another look at them but the most important thing to me is you're an Arsenal supporter right so you have this rivalry between yourself and your North London rival Tottenham Hotspurs they've just built a stadium to the tune of 700 million pounds <laughs> 700 million pounds how many billions of rands is that what 700 well, times million pounds times 20 times, times 20 times 19 so yeah. it's 7 billion so it's 14 billion rand yeah. For a stadium. No, it's incredible. I mean, the acoustics and everything. And it's got this thing that they based on the Borussia Dortmund wall of sound stand. 17,500 people at a 35 degree angle. So you can really look down on the pitch. And apparently the acoustics are incredible. But at half time, those 17,500 people are going to filter out and go to Europe's longest bar. It's something like 500, <laughs> 500 yards long. Yeah, did you see the, the beer? The way they pour Apparently, it. Apparently, this is a South African invention or, or South African engineers, and I need this to be confirmed. Okay. But uh, apparently, they're South African engineers that developed it. So, you know, for crowds, instead, you know, instead of going to a pub where they pull the handle and they, they pour the draft. What from you do the top. Is you put, this, this comes from the bottom. From the bottom, it, yeah. It pushes. Yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a valve there, apparently, and it fills up, and then the valve. You know, the valve closes and that's it. So it Which takes a, a matter of seconds. Yeah. No, no. And it, it's in, it looks incredible. I mean, it, 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 it really is. So you can get twice as many beers um, kind of served in, uh, in half time, you know, not just one beer. And, but I, I have to say, as an Arsenal supporter, and I'm looking at the, uh, that stadium, it looks incredible. It really does. And I just hope that it doesn't my, – my big worry, and I like to have you know, at least six good teams in the Premier League, or even if we had eight, it would make it more exciting. So I hope this doesn't 
doesn't hurt Spurs, you know, and that they're able to continue to buy players and and keep their squad going because you don't want them to fail. You know, you want you want you want to watch on the weekend. You don't want to wait just you know once every couple of weeks or once a month for some decent derby or some de- not uh, you know some decent match. So I hope it doesn't um, you know doesn't hurt them. I like Spurs. I've always been a very friendly with Gary Mabbott, very friendly with Paul Walsh, who used to work. So yeah. I know Spurs very well. Mm. David, thank you so, so much. Your, good luck yeah, to them. Yeah, good luck to them. <laughs> yeah, they were talking about buying as long players. As, they follow, as long as they below Arsenal, I don't mind. Not going to happen. <laughs> uh, David, <laughs> thank you very much for your time this evening. It's David Shapiro from Sassman, and that was Shapiro World. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za.